The Forecast is a well-intentioned effort at murmuration by playing with audio for the Mowgli quarterlies. In this issue, Heather, Jeff, Scott, and myself talk about, around, stumble over, and through what it's like to work since the pandemic, work-life balance in general, and how to keep up with, or most likely not keep up with, capitalism. And I think that's what the entire thing boils down to is, what the fuck? You may want to just curl up in the fetal position now. Oh, yeah. Annie, let's go. <laughs> let's do this. I'm Annie Poppin. I am the co-founder of Mowgli Quarterly, which is a newsletter for Mowgli Studio. And I am basically a freelance contractor in design and videography. I'm Heather Cummings. I own Moontime Smoke and Q in Crystal Lake with my husband. I've been in the restaurant industry for probably close to... 16 years. However, I've been in the service industry closer to 21 years, and I'm just happy to be here amongst this group. My name is Jeff Merritt. I uh, run Parasol Records and the Itty Bitty Bike Shop in Urbana, Illinois. I've owned um, one form of uh, small business or another since 1985 and have had between zero and 40 employees at any given time uh, lately closer to zero. My name is Scott Durfer. I currently work for the city of Santa Barbara and I have about 120 something employees. I guess in the service industry for about 45, 46 years. Oh crap. Anyway, uh, in one form or another, either retail or customer service. I am happy to be here and I'm happy to be, I am humbled, I should say, to be with Heather and Jeff in this but not any. <laughs> in this in this conference. <laughs> Scott, do you find that there's any sort of incentives with the city? I mean, that's government level and a lot more employees, so that could fall into corporation E type of treatment. When you're hired, you are part time. We expect four days at least uh, of availability, but you're there's a cap to the union rules. There's a cap of 999 hours, which we just say 1,000 hours. After 600 hours, um, you start accruing sick leave and personal time off. I think, I think the cap is 60 hours. Because when I worked for the university, which would be the other version of another version of working for the government, it was I was salaried, so you were just expected to work. And I worked at a performing arts center, so we had hours all over yeah. the place. And yeah. that's where, like, when we talk about quiet quitting, I'm an advocate for it because I was asked to do so many things that were not part, I mean, your job title is intentionally vague so that they can ask you to do anything. And I would have never argued it, but I got burnt out and I left. I was also the least paid designer on staff. So it was like, if I would have known the term quiet quitting, which oh, I just read something where somebody said, we need to stop calling it quiet quitting because it's more about being exploited as an employee and less about you having to be responsible yeah. for those kinds of things. But I maybe would have try to figure out how I could have stayed longer, work longer. Well, there's got to be a somewhat of a difference between a salary position and an hourly position. Most of the quiet quitting stuff that I'm hearing about, and of course my scope is limited, is the hourly people, not the salary people. And it seems like there's, there's a somewhat of a mutual contract between the employer and the employee, which is different from what you were doing, Annie. Right. Um, I think it could apply to both. In the nonprofit field, when people quit, they're not being replaced. And 
and one person is now expected to do the job of like two or three people and they're not getting a raise whether that's hourly or salary. If you had me only working an eight hour day, I would work those eight hours happily and I would do whatever you need and then I'd go home and not have to work anymore, not have to answer emails and texts and all those other things. Right. Um, clock in, clock out. Done. Yeah. Done. You're not emotionally yeah. invested. Right. So when you're clocked in, I expect you to be clocked in and working and uh, then there's certain feelings of, well, I think that's enough work for that amount of money you're paying me. Um, and I feel that people feel that they can get away with this because there are so many hourly positions out there right now to be filled. It's just like, okay, you don't like what I do, I'm just gonna hop to the next place then. So firing a person that's kind of quiet quitting, even though that's what they might deserve, it doesn't really seem to affect them. Not all employees are like this, for sure. There are definitely ones out there that understand their job is a job. Heather, are your employees, are, what's the age range? It's a wide age range. I go from, uh, I have a 17-year-old to I have a couple ladies that are in their 50s. And it's all across the board, kind of the, oh, yeah. that was my shift today, sorry. It's just hard to get people into work. And then, you know, they are great. Most of them are great when they are here, but it's just the... I mean, I, maybe I was raised differently, you know, work, different work ethic. It's just a little difficult to wrap your mind around sometimes. Just for background, Scott and I both used to work for Jeff when he owned That's for Entertainment, and I was one of the managers. And I always just remembered that part-timers are not invested in your business. They don't mm -hmm. care. They're there to get paid, and they're not going to show up. And I remember I had to fire one of my closest friends because there was a three strikes and you're out roll and she was out. And I was like, thanks for making me make you an example. Maybe we need to clarify the type of employee too, because like college students working part-time have drinking money or working for fun. And there's like a level of privilege there not being separated out. If you don't have to work, I'm not sure you should be able to co-op the term quiet quitting. But the reality is, is part-timers from back in, what, that's late 90s? At yeah. that time, they didn't care. Whereas I was full-time and I, I mean, Jeff's business meant something to me, right. so I invested in it. So yeah. I don't know if that's still yeah, the same or is your full-timers now doing this too? Um, our full-timers are great. The part-timers are getting better, but it was just something that I noticed for a while. And it is, you know, like I said, being new to this and you guys know this, no one's going to care as much as you do. And we're still learning that, but then you do have employees that care as much as you do or even more somehow because they <laughs> care about your business and they care about you as a person, which is just... Those are amazing people when you find them. Um, so as much crabbing and grouching that we do today, I'm sure we all have a couple employees in mind that stand out that are like, you know, I'll show up to work for you today or, yeah. <laughs> you know, they make it worth it. So Heather, that's always the Achilles heel, I think, that it will always get you. I, well, nobody's going to care as much as I do because I have a vested interest to the point where you feel like you're the only one that can do the job. And that's always <laughs> gets you in Oh, you just oh. nail on the head with Heather. <laughs> There's many times I'm like, will you let me do this? <laughs> can I do this for you? Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you on your with your full time. Do they get benefits? What's the, what's the incentive? Uh, our incentive is we pay more hourly than other serving jobs okay. do. Um, I don't know other states, but here in Illinois, it's 875 uh, tipped wages, I believe. Um, and then it's 13, it just went up to $13 an hour for minimum mm -hmm. wage. So we're just a dollar or two off for our servers and bartenders as untipped minimum wage. Just because, as you know, if you know or don't know, the restaurant industry can be have a busy week, slow week, this kind of thing. We just want to know yeah. that they are going to get a paycheck. You know, no matter what right. tips come right. out, you are going to get a paycheck. 
but it seems that there's a lot of insurance benefits available for small companies now. They're starting to do kind of co-op, so making it a little more affordable and accessible to people that have small businesses and then their employees as well, uh, just because it's been a while since Joe or myself have had insurance just based on the restaurant industry. There's all types of insurance you can get out of there, but you know, you almost rather just have your savings plan. And once we get our core people and you know, once things kind of settle, it's definitely our goal just because everyone deserves it. First of all, we believe that. But again, if you have people working for you that you can do your business without, then you need to have them and help them stay. Just be one of the biggest goals that we could get accomplished be to provide that for our staff. Well, that's amazing. Nice. We're going to take a break and hear from our sponsors. That's silly. We don't have sponsors, but I do have Mowgli Studio, which is print, videography, and digital design for nonprofits. So if you're a nonprofit that spends way too much time on outreach and development, event planning, campaign strategies, and not enough time focusing on your mission, you know, the whole reason you put so many hours into your work week, check out MowgliStudio.com. Marketing for nonprofits is different than promoting a business, which means you want a designer who speaks your language, who has solutions to your unique challenges, and who also chose nonprofits because I want to make the world a better place too. So yeah, check out my portfolio. I think you're going to like what you'll see. And then let's collaborate. Now, back to the forecast. ILCS 191, (laughs) the Employee Sick Leave Act. I, I spent a while digging through forums and trying to read the actual piece of legislation and it doesn't make sense to me. Did you guys figure it out? I, I didn't find any particular details other than the rate of accumulation. It, it had, didn't have anything to do with business size. It was just very general. You could kind of dig, but you couldn't find any other details than what was put out you know, in the publication when the bill was passed. There's one sentence that I think is the the very important one. Uh, An employee who works in Illinois is entitled to earn and use up to a minimum of 40 hours of paid leave. So up to a minimum of 40 hours. Weird sentence. Yes. So when Heather and I were talking about it before we got on the call, and I might have misunderstood Heather, what I was taking it as is if you work 10 hours a week, after a month you accumulate one hour of sick leave, but you could only get up to 40 hours per year off. Actually, I don't know if we even talked about that part. It could be a minimum of 40 hours, but up to a minimum makes no sense at all. And my initial problem with this and everything else I, when I look at it strictly from a small business, as overhead goes up and up and up, there's a perception out there that the uh, that these things can be handled by just skimming some of the millions that uh, business people make and uh, giving it back to uh, the various you know, food cost and all that. But uh, I think when you're a tiny business person, which I, I would count Heather and me in there because because uh, we're not raking in the millions. Um, a change like this does have a huge impact on bottom line, if there even is a bottom line. Um, so my initial thoughts were going in that direction, like, oh, this is, uh, this is bad. But thinking about it a little more, it seems like this is the direction things should be going. And the problem is that prices are going to go up 
they have to, and nobody wants to pay higher prices. So with labor costs going up and food costs going up and everything else going up, prices have to go up. Nobody wants that. When it comes to solid goods or things that can be ordered off the internet, of course, we're encouraging importing items, which cuts out the small businesses that are trying to manufacture stuff over here. So anyway, I, I've gone full circle from, eh, I don't know that this is a good idea to, we need to do this, but I don't know how it's going to work. Yeah, I feel it needs to be implemented, you know, not just in, in such a broad base, you know, whether there's a sliding scale or a number of employees, it doesn't seem like any of that has been introduced in any way where maybe start with the larger companies that have more full-time employees rather than part-time employees that need to be taken care of. You know, even in the, the shallow hiring pool that's going on now, what you do get hired, maybe this will change the shift of they're trying to get people hired more permanently, um, where if you have to invest in an employee, maybe you're going to cut your workforce now instead of having, you know, four, six part-timers, you'll go down to four full-timers which I agree is, is great for the workforce and people having steady jobs. And Heather, how do you think that full-time, shifting to full-time will affect people who either need to be or want to be part-time employees? Does that start to eliminate the part-time job? Um, I feel there's always going to have to be a person that's going to be part-time, but it'll almost go to kind of like contracting or on-call work. You know, it's not that you're going to be scheduled part-time, that you are guaranteed those hours. It's almost just as a backup person on call. I would ideally like to go to full, full-time, but you, you need to have part-time people on, and I don't know if they'll get the same reward or, you know, a better deal from just being a part-time person as opposed to being a full-time person with this law. I think also what's interesting is that, and what I love about what Heather and Joe do here is that they've made an effort and correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. to make sure the back of the house gets paid the same as the front of house, which it's unheard of in the restaurant industry. I feel like it's the small businesses who are going to make efforts like that. So it's, and maybe I'm being naive, maybe, I'm, I don't know, but I feel like the mom and pop shops are going to go out of their way to make sure their employees are getting what they need, whether that's a certain day off or um, getting paid equally, more so than a corporation's going to. And Which so, is why you need that law, is because the corporations aren't going to do it themselves, whereas the, the tiny businesses and some smaller businesses are already trying to take care of their employees because they value them and such, and their time, not just their work. And everybody's understaffed, so if you finally get somebody here, like especially since the pandemic, I know, Heather, you had a really hard time once you went to an Eden mm -hmm. restaurant getting people to work here and stay here. Correct. And so once you have somebody here, you're, of course, going to go out of your way to make sure they right. want to stay. Yeah, whether it's schedule or pay. Of course, it's layered, but I don't know if other states have it. There are three states, including Illinois, who require paid vacation. Maine and Nevada have similar laws. Now, one thing that's worth noting, and this goes back to what you were talking about, Heather, Maine's earned paid leave only applies to employers with more than 10 employees and Nevada's exempts businesses with less than 50. So that's, hmm. uh, that helps the small business. Hopefully we can find some discussion that uh, sheds light on some of our questions. And I'm really surprised that none of the discussions I've seen about it so far bring up any of the points that we've brought up. Um, I wonder if this also kind of goes hand in hand 
And I don't know if maybe this is kind of a fallout of COVID of people showing up to work because even though they had a fever and then passing along to other people where they're like, well, I didn't have a choice. I needed to go because I needed to make the money. I don't know if this is also maybe a preventative measure, you know, for any future sort of outbreak, even just, you know, overall health of people and businesses to not make it contagious. One person gets sick, getting the whole company sick. I can't imagine going through COVID and as stressful as it was for everyone, and I don't want to downplay that at all, there had to have been some feeling of, oh, this is what it's like to not work so much and be able to focus on mental health or physical health or being with family or... You get a chance to do other things in your life. You get to read books again or... You can take another class that you've wanted to take, you know, that you haven't and that could have steered you off in a whole nother direction. Then now you go back to your job and you're like, well, this isn't what I want to do anymore. You know what it feels like to invest in yourself now and going to work anywhere doesn't feel like investing in yourself. Reevaluating how we look at work in general. We could even go so far as to talk as big as like, you know, capitalism. I'm all for taking time for ourselves and uh, reading books and going on vacation and doing all the things we want to do. But we've created a situation where we have to make money because everything costs so much. Right. And we've made it so we have to have jobs. We've made it so we have to work until we're in our 70s. I have to be able to pay my rent and I have to be able to buy food. All those things are going up. I get where people don't want to do all the work. I don't want to do all the work, but I think we're all stuck in a position where we have to. I don't see what the alternative is. I'm wondering if this awkwardness of terms like quiet quitting and struggling with employee versus employer, all of those things is a result of trying to fix a broken system or find a new way of doing it, but we all individually can't change capitalism in our day-to-day life. So, you know, what the fuck? Yeah, and I think that's what the entire thing boils down to is what the fuck. We've gotten to the point where I, I don't even know that one can completely overhaul the system and have it work because there's so many things involved. Everything is intertwined with everything else. You get a raise, well, that means I can raise the price of food or I can raise people's rent because everybody's getting paid more and we know that your rent's supposed to be 33% of your income or whatever the formula is. So since you got a raise, I get to raise the rent. Yeah, but minimum wage just went up and it's been a a long ball, at least, what, a decade? Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody's just playing catch up. So, yeah. and then we're right back where we are. And I don't think any of the hourly people and the small business people are getting any of that money. They're not getting ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's shown in the whole uh, spread between the wealthy and the not wealthy. And then we get into a whole nother subject. But I think what the fuck sums it up really well. That, that's, that's kind of, I think, what people are thinking. I think that's what the kids these days um, are looking at the situation and are like, well, you guys fucked this up. And I, you know, what am I supposed to do? I, yeah. I think the only way it would change if it's something was, I mean, COVID being a pandemic kind of made the whole world stop and everybody reevaluate. 
but then once it kicked back up again, everybody went back to their their normal shitty or even more fear-based <laughs> uh, approaches. And it, I think it has to be something even more devastating, sadly, that would probably change it, probably not in our lifetime, but... Well, we'd need a much better plan going into it where we're going to take all this money and we're going to pump it into the economy. And where did it get pumped? You know, the small businesses, I don't know, Heather, did you get any um, we did not. relief? We did, we did not, not receive any. Um, we were able to pivot. We were already a takeout to begin with. Um, but we did take on two employees from other businesses, from other bars that we knew, so that we could give them more hours. We expanded our hours, which helped us make yeah. more money, but that was, you know, to help take care of people that we knew. Since we were still a growing business, we couldn't prove that we had actually lost anything. Or In order to right. prove to get, what, like another $2,000? Where's that going? It doesn't go very far. And then yeah. we know we know who else got a bunch of money without any questions asked or, you know, even mistakenly just basically handed money without having to prove anything. Yeah, it's somewhat amazing how when you read about some of the the people who got huge amounts of money mm -hmm. and then remember the hoops you had to run through and the teeth you had to pull just to get a couple thousand dollars. I would have to send um, in an affidavit and a picture of my driver's license to prove yeah. like I was who I was. So I really, it, it's baffling how anyone mistakenly got, got right. way over. And huge sums of money. Millions. So, um, <laughs> right. So yeah. anyway, if, yeah. uh, if a giant uh, something comes again, Scott, uh, hopefully somebody learned, but my guess is it's the bigger name people who are uh, are setting up the plans and they they got their money. If we didn't revolt over gun control, if we didn't revolt over abortion, if we didn't, you know, like all of these things, all of these broken, broken systems over Black Lives Matter, all of them didn't cause a change. I just don't foresee any other big things causing it either. I don't know if it's we're just too big of a country or... We'll have to have a follow-up... Uh call after we've all thought about this and looked it all up and, and uh, see what happens. Thanks, guys. All and right. Guys. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Talk to you all another time. That's her way of saying I'm all done right. now. I'm done. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I don't Bye. do any goodbyes. Mowgli Quarterly showcases people and efforts that encourage us to be and do better in murmuration. We also do giveaways and make mixtapes and interview cool people and talk about pretty much whatever is taking up space in our old noodles at the moment. It's the stuff we read, watch, listen, research, and follow down the rabbit hole to more stuff we read, watch, listen, and research that we can't wait to share with our friends. Get the next issue of Mowgli Quarterly straight into your inbox by signing up for our emails. I promise I won't email you except for the four issues per year. Not to mention, in order to be entered into the giveaways, you need to be on the mailing list. You gotta love an email sign-up that promises that. So go on over to MowgliQuarterly.com. That's M-O-W-G-L-I Quarterly.com. Then it becomes a Rosanna, Dana, Dana kind of <laughs> thing. Where without a punchline, sadly. Oh, uh, never, never mind. It just goes to show you. It's always something. If it's not one thing, it's another.